0: show and a group of her friends at Essex Street Academy in Manhattan read Into the Wild about an adventurer who died while trying to live off the land in the Alaskan wilderness. As a result, she told the New York Times, quote, we've all got this theory that we're not just meant to be confined to buildings and work. And that guy was experiencing life, real life, social media and phones are not real life, Close quote. This is Dr. Jim Tonkowicz and you're listening to the After Dinner Scholar from Wyoming Catholic College. Lola Shubb is a member of the Luddite Club, students who avoid technology, including smartphones, for the sake of other, better pursuits. Meeting outdoors in a park, quote, some drew in sketchbooks, others painted with a watercolor kit. One of them closed their eyes to listen to the wind Many read intently. The books in their satchels included Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, Art Spiegelman's Mouse 2, and The Consolation of Philosophy by Boethius. When I got my flip phone, Lola declared, things instantly changed and I started using my brain. Whether or not Luddite clubs will become a social trend among teens has yet to be seen, but it does seem that the Wyoming Catholic College technology policy is, in fact, a good that's ahead of its time. As technologies and the needs of our students change, we update the policy. And Dr. Kent Lesnowski has been at the center of recent revisions. I began by asking him what the technology policy at Wyoming Catholic College actually is.
1: Well, in terms of the policy as a list of rules, uh, the most salient piece of that is is really that the students do not have cell phones. Uh, Beyond that though, we have limited internet access in the sense that at the dorms, uh, their residences, students can access their internet email um, and Google Docs to write documents and that's it. So the technology policy doesn't allow also any other handheld connectivity devices um, of, of any kind as well. So that's, that would be the shortest way of saying the statements, no cell phones and
0: limited access on the internet. Now give us a little history. This is not something new. It's been there since the very beginning of the college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has. And, and the college was
1: founded with this idea of getting back to direct encounter with truth, goodness, and beauty, direct encounter with other people. And so, of course, hand in hand with that would be thinking seriously about how we engage with virtual realities, virtual relationships. And so the college has wanted to take steps it can to encourage a culture of personal presence, encourage a culture that invites people outside, uh, encourages a kind of tactile culture um, with using your hands uh, to just... Encounter the real world. Aristotle tells us in De Anima that touch is the most foundational, fundamental of all senses. It's the one that gives us the sense of what's real, even if it's not the most precise. It is the most uh, in touch with the real.
0: Now, are we Luddites? Then, that is, do we reject uh, these technologies, smartphones, uh, streaming media, and all the rest of it?
1: In a simple sense, the answer is no. Uh, The, for example. Faculty members often have smart devices and use computers. Uh, some of them have, and at times, used streaming resources for their students even. So um, it's not that we, out of principle, believe that connectivity devices and streaming uh, and virtual realities are evil. What we have at the college is this intentionality about making sure we relate to technologies correctly. And what you have to remember is that technologies are always ambivalent. So on the one hand, they are this beautiful and powerful extension of the human person out, right? They're this extension of human power and a development of human power. They allow us to reach farther, to do more, and as an extension of our own um, hands, you might say. But what often goes unnoticed is the way that the technologies start reaching back in to us and changing us and insinuating themselves into us and becoming necessary for us in ways that we didn't realize. And it's important to keep track of the speed at which that's happening. And so we can assess the ways that we want the technology to inculcate itself into our own lives and make itself necessary for us, and the ways that we should be critical of that and cautious as well. So that double pole, right, between technology as extension of human power and technology as that which insinuates itself um, without our knowing it into ourselves and our cultures.
0: You know, I was listening to a Mars Hill interview with, uh, can't think of his first name, his last name is Craybill, and he's been studying, for years, he's been studying the Amish, and he talks about the Amish and technology, and they are not Luddites either. They do not reject technology because technology is evil. They look at a piece of technology and say, what will this do to our family? What will this do to our community? So they do have phones, but the phones are in a phone booth out in the yard. They're mm. not in the home. So that if nobody's around to hear it, nobody answers it. And it's it stays out of the home, it stays out of dinner it stays out of the interaction of the family. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of a thing that we're, we're trying to think through here at Wyoming Catholic college.
1: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And you know, just thinking about the way that it has taken a long time for many technologies to come into existence and the rate of discovery of technologies has been slower until fairly recently. And that has meant that technologies were incorporated and incorporated themselves into culture and into human life more slowly with more time to think about it and see uh, what the right level of use is. One of the difficulties with the 20th century is that the speed at which we create technologies cannot keep up with our ability to assess them Mm -hmm. and make sure that that we're incorporating them intelligently and prudently into our own lives. So that's part of the reason for what we're doing here. I mean, really, when you think about it, a lot of folks say, well, if you want kids to learn how to use the technology, you got to have them use it more, just use it correctly, Um, that we should be allowing students to use more technology and training them in good use. My response to that is that it sort of misunderstands our approach We are actually thinking about asking students to do something more like a fast, right? You step away for a while so that you can grow in awareness, grow in self-mastery, and have your eyes opened to what the real effects of those technologies were on you and what you want them to be later when you step away from that fast once again.
0: Because talk technology keeps changing and the needs of students keep changing, we need to revise our policy. And the latest revisions of the technology policy are based on student input and student preference. What are some of those new ideas?
1: Yeah, so students have been telling us that they, they feel like at times their computers are just really big smartphones. And they, they have most of the same connectivity options and powers that a cell phone has. So they some of them students have told us they feel like they've been chained, if you will, to this to the computer, and that there have been habits put in place by professors and, and students themselves that make it feel like they need to be on their computers checking their email multiple times a day. So we've even though we've taken away the cell phone, the computer has been become powerful enough and our habits around it have become such that students feel like they need the computer all the time, and that's not something we want them to feel right, if, especially if we're going for this idea of a fast. So, the students come and tell us this at least a portion of them, and they've had ideas like, Well, what if we, what if the professors didn't email us frequently? So, we have a, we have a policy in the, in the faculty handbook now which says. And no professor can expect a student to respond to an email within 24 hours in less than 24 hours and that no change to a syllabus can be made over email has to be made in person and if you have to change something over email you again cannot expect the student to get it before the next class right so this idea of what we're doing is changing the mode of communication between the faculty and the student to, so, to show how we want our community to be community to be. We wanted a personal encounter and we don't want it the virtual encounter. Another cool change is that some students have said, well, the only way I can find out about what's going on is on the internet, on the email. So we've made changes to make announcements in a more mid-century way. We have more announcement boards. We have town hall meetings. We have announcements at lunch. So we're trying to communicate, make it possible, in other words, for students to not have to interact with their devices of connectivity, their, their computers, frequently throughout the day. And a final thing students have asked for in terms of that is laptop-free zones. So areas of the campus where you're just not gonna see even a computer, you know, and you don't have that distraction of listening to the, to the music or having the chat functions available to you. You just have your books, your friends, and the
0: sunlight. Is the policy a success? And if you will, give us some examples of that success. Sure. I mean, I think it is in,
1: in as much as students who really embrace it want more, you know, I, and I left out one suggestion from students on this score, which is that some students have wanted us to cut the internet entirely up at the dorms, you know, just to have that entire space be uh, about personal encounter and, and relationships. But other ways of judging the success, I think are are also, are also success, are also pointing in the right direction. There are students who have come back and said, hey, you know, I wish we had a place where I didn't even need to bring a computer. In fact, can I, students have come and asked me, can I handwrite my papers for your class? And I think that that's a sign of success too. The fact that the students are the ones, in many cases, driving the move toward a greater fashion technology uh, outside looking at the alumni I think you see success there as well I mean a number of alumni continue to be in town continue to be part of our religious uh, community in terms of worship and what you see is after after mass people will come and hang out together on Sundays and I never see people pulling out their cell phones and looking at them throughout the course of conversations, right? You just don't see that. They're not checking their texts, they're not checking videos. They're just there talking, enjoying some wonderful homemade bagels uh, or whatever have you. So it's, I think in the culture of the community, you see the success. Another example is that just another alumna put together a reading group of T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets that's gonna meet at Molino's and read together out loud. So the kinds of things that our students want to do Culturally, I think, is indicative of the fact that they want to be together personally and directly, and uh, they don't want their relationships to be entirely mediated by the virtual space.
0: I remember a number of years ago was it Yahoo Technology or the New York Times that did an article about the college and the technology policy? And students were saying, This is a privilege not to have to constantly be referring back to technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I
1: think some students are really aware of that and become even more aware of it after they leave. The fact of the matter is they may never have another time in their life when they're not expected
0: to be immediately and always available. Questions about the adoption of new technologies are hardly new. In the dialogue, Phaedrus Plato's Socrates sets forth the dangers of writing things down. In the 16th century, there were warnings of information overload as a result of the printing press. Radio, TV, smartphones, not to mention things like crossbows, nuclear weapons, and biotechnologies, raise the question again and again, should we do this? How do we decide? This June 4th through 9th, Wyoming Catholic College will host our annual Adult Learning Week, the Wyoming School of Catholic Thought, on the topic, the ancient and modern challenges of technology. Led by Wyoming Catholic College faculty, we'll read and discuss authors such as Thomas Moore, Francis Bacon, Thomas Hardy, Martin Heidegger, and Wendell Berry, as we consider how to make wise, morally responsible decisions about technology for ourselves our children, and if we're teachers, for our students. Plan to join us in Lander, June 4th through 9th. For more information and to register, visit wyomingcatholic.edu. That's wyomingcatholic.edu. For Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkowich.